Hello everyone, my name is Caleb Walgren, and you are listening to Season 3, Episode 125 of Brody Sports Talk. It is time to do the end of the season NFL award predictions. Yes, NFL Honors is still a few weeks out. February 10th will be upon us before you know it. But I am joined by my fantastic co-host, Derek Rusnick, so that we can go ahead and dive into these NFL awards. Derek, how are you doing today? Oh, has it, has the clock run out yet? I, uh, I, I'm still... Where's the, where's the umpire? Oh, oh, this isn't... Oh, never mind. Uh, hi, everyone. I, I'm Derek, and I'm happy to be here with you, Caleb. Uh, how about them Cowboys? Uh, I just hope that they don't throw trash at us uh, while we are recording the podcast tonight, because you never know what to expect from uh, fans in certain stadiums. This is true. So... When I say NFL award predictions, I have gone ahead and dug into the Brody Sports Talk talk archives so that you do not have to. I went ahead and went to our preseason predictions and grabbed them from the vault and have them here in the notes for you today. So that way you can hear uh, just how right or wrong we were before the season began. I will fully admit I had some hot takes, and most of those did not land. And you will get to hear those and go, oh, man. But you'll also probably hear them and go, it wasn't unreasonable at the time, but what a difference 18 weeks and then the wild card round makes. So, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump in with the first award that we are going to review, and that is the Defensive Rookie of the Year. So, before the season, I had Gregory Rousseau. You might be listening to this and going, who's Gregory Rousseau? He is an edge rusher for the Buffalo Bills who had four sacks and a forced fumble this season. He didn't really have that large of an impact on the season, although he still could have an impact on the postseason, but more as a role player and less as a bona fide superstar player. I thought he might come in and have a season like Chase Young kind of did in his rookie year, where he kind of blew up, helped lead the Bills, and revamped the Bills' defense. Little did I know, Leslie Frazier was revamping the Bills' defense anyway. They were a fantastic defense this year. Uh, they just didn't need to, you know, go full bore with Gregory Rousseau like I thought. Of course, uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, opt out of that pick now and transition that pick to... A player that wears the one-star logo, because it is uh, a star rating, it is not a logo. It is uh, Micah Parsons of the Dallas Cowboys. Now, if you're talking about Micah Parsons and his ability, that probably is five stars. Whereas the team itself was just one star, especially this past weekend. Uh, But Micah Parsons had a fantastic rookie year. 13 sacks, 64 tackles, three forced fumbles. Basically being a complete hybrid that... Uh, we all didn't know that we needed at the linebacker position. I feel like I haven't seen a player play that way at linebacker. I'm going to say since a young non-injured Clay Matthews, when Green Bay forced him inside occasionally (laughs) after being primarily the outside edge rusher. But Parsons 
basically was playing inside linebacker without really doing it before. And it's fantastic off the edge. So he really stymied defenses with his ability to either blitz from the linebacker position or lining up on the line and making it just really hard for the offenses to know what he was going to do. Uh, Derek, do you have any thoughts about Micah Parsons or, or actually before I get there before the season, uh, you were being slightly a homer here and you were going with Patrick Sertan, the second who had four interceptions and returned one for a touchdown. Uh, are you, are you sticking with Patrick Sertan? Do you want to talk about Micah Parsons any, where, where are you kind of landing here? Okay. So if I'm going to pick the defensive rookie of the year, it is definitely going to be Micah Parsons. He's done more. He's in a bigger venue. We'll give it to Micah Parsons. But at the beginning of the year, I was being a complete homer for my Broncos and was hoping to have, hey, we passed Justin Fields and Patrick Patrick Sertan II definitely has to, to produce. Well, if you're looking at the Vegas odds right now, if there was a second place uh, trophy, Patrick Sertan would probably win that award. He's the, the betting odds for the second place or you know the, the second best odds. Um, so one of the things when it comes to rookies, and especially on defense, because you can switch out so many guys and um, you want them to to get a little bit of uh, a view of, of playing defense while sticking with the players who are actually going to win you the games. At the beginning of the season, the Broncos won uh, a lot of games. They won, they won their first three. It was against lesser talent and all that kind of stuff. But after, uh, after game one, he didn't start at, uh, at game one. He played for 80% of the snaps. Uh, of 14 out of 17 games. After game two, he played 85% of the snaps other than a week nine win at Dallas where he had only half the snaps. They were up. Um, he had a little bit of a nagging, nagging injury, and so he only played half the snaps on only, uh, only a half of football. So what I'm saying is four interceptions, one pick six, great numbers for a rookie that has a high ceiling for the future. Even though he's not going to win Defensive Rookie of the Year, good job to Patrick Sertan and uh, good job to me for picking him uh, early. Caleb, let's move on to off the Rookie of the Year. Yeah, so the the O'Roy that we have here, uh, I before the season, I I had a feeling about the Pittsburgh Steelers. I did say they were going to be a playoff team. And they were going to be led to the playoffs by Najee Harris. I, I don't necessarily f- want to say that that was wrong. Uh, the Steelers' offense looked really bad, but it wasn't because of Najee. It was more because of uh, Matt Canada and a bad offensive line and Big Ben and uh, receivers who dropped the ball a lot. Not because of Najee. Najee was great. The rest of the Steelers' offense... Not so much. Uh, Najee had 307 carries for 1,200 yards and 74 catches for 467 yards and only 10 total touchdowns. I don't really fault him for the touchdowns. I feel like he got robbed by Pat Fryermuth several times there. But he was a beast. I mean, I'm trying to imagine having about 
380 touches as a rookie, but he did. So hopefully they don't burn him out too fast. Uh, I know Pittsburgh fans love him already. So I ended up going back to the AFC North, though, and sticking with Jamar Chase. He had 81 catches for 1,455 yards and 13 touchdowns. And if nothing else, I just felt like he was one of the most dynamic rookies this year. Uh, There were times, especially late in the season when they upset the Kansas City Chiefs, that Jamar Chase really just took over the game and said, I've got this, and they didn't have an answer. That, that Sometimes I feel like that will help swing the vote, so that's kind of where I'm at. I got swung uh, to Jamar Chase. Uh, Derek, before the season, you had Mac Jones. Kudos to you for going out on a limb with a rookie that I don't know that everyone was as high on. But I know you you had full faith in macaroni and cheese, and uh, are you are you uh, anything you want to say about Mac Jones? And uh, are you sticking with Mac Jones or possibly changing it up here? Yeah. So what I will say to our listeners here: there are no bad answers on this list for offensive rookie of the year. All four names are great players, great rookies, and Hall had a great rookie season. Uh, Najee Harris was a good pick by Caleb um, and. In many other years, he would probably win off of the Rookie of the Year. Jamar Chase probably is going to win it. No one expected this to come out of LSU. Um, you set him up with his college quarterback and his and his friend. They just went to town. Um, Mac Jones had a good year. I mean, uh, three uh, three thousand eight hundred and one yards, twenty two touchdowns, thirteen interceptions in a limited role with the Patriots. They didn't open up the playbook with them too much, and I didn't expect them to to do too much. They, he was never going to be Tom Brady. But he had a good year, and in, uh, in, in, in other years he might have actually won it. But for me, everyone knows that I'm the offensive lineman guy, so I'm going to go with the best player that came out of the draft this year because no one realizes he is a rookie, and that's Creed Humphrey. Uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, he is the center, and he had approximately, you know, with the, with the Chiefs, he had about 800 snaps that he provided. That's under center, that's uh, shotgun snaps, and he gave up one sack that he was responsible for up the middle. Not only that, but the running game for the Kansas City Chief changed significantly with him at center. So at the end of the year, Pro Football Focus put him at a 92.7 run blocking grade, which means they can run up the middle and pick up a decent amount of yards uh, because he is so good at run blocking. I think, I mean, yes, an offensive lineman is never going to win offensive rookie of the year, but we have to give him a little bit of love. He is amazing. He got snubbed for the Pro Bowl. And uh, I think he's going to be in the, the league another 12 years, let's hope. Uh, I don't know if that's, uh, that's, that's pretty long for an offensive lineman other than uh, Andrew Whitworth. Um, but yes, so my rookie of the year, Creed Humphrey, uh, giving up one sack this year as an old-school run-blocking center. We don't uh, move on to comeback player of the year. Or do you have something to say about Creed? I've got I've got to add something about Creed. Uh, if you've got your Brody Bingo cards ready, uh, I want to say that I believe Creed Humphrey may be responsible for altering the blueprint. 
Uh, I don't want to say he erased the blueprint, but he definitely altered the blueprint. That's just true. Yeah, so you go ahead and, and everyone mark your blueprint uh, that, that Caleb is going to say the word blueprint. Um, and Derek talks about it often the linemen and gives them more credits than they're probably due. And um, he's already a been a Bronco sp- homer. You've probably got like almost all of your card filled out. Right yeah, I, I, <laughs> I am going to listen uh, when this comes out, have my ears open, and I'll, there's going to be some screaming about uh, bingo, bingo, I'm all across the land. Uh, so next up, Comeback Player of the Year. I don't want to spend a ton of time on this because we were pretty unified before the season that we were going with Dak Prescott. We thought that he was going to lead the Cowboys to a NFC East division title, which he did. We thought he was going to have a good year, which he kind of did um uh good for Dak I guess at least uh almost 4,500 yards 37 touchdowns 10 interceptions but it just never felt like the Cowboys offense was really clicking or doing the things that we thought it could um whether it was in the run game or the pass game it just felt like it was always a little bit off so that's why I at least shifted to Joe Burrow uh I, I want to call him like Swaggy Joe or something like that because he definitely carries himself with a certain confidence on and off the field. Uh, d- he didn't hear any whistles this past Sunday either. Uh, but he had 34 touchdowns and 14 interceptions and threw for 4,600 yards. And I, I think that he did it in a more impressive way. Uh, the Bengals' offense just looked better without being supposed to be at that level that the Cowboys offense was kind of rumored to be at this off season. So uh, kudos to Joe Burrow for getting my nod for comeback player of the year. Uh, note Alex Smith, comeback player of the year. I got to, you got to throw Alex Smith out there, especially when we're trying to fill out those bingo cards. Uh, Derek, do you want to add anything about Dak Burrow or anyone else? Yeah. So we're, we're unified here. We thought Dak was going to win it. And Dak probably would win it if it wasn't for Joe Burrow. I think that Joe Burrow is going to win it. But I want to throw another name out there as my second best. Let's give him a little bit of love. And let's go to the defensive side of the the lines that, uh, that are in the trenches. I want to talk about Nick Bosa. Um, this year he had 15 and a half sacks for forced fumbles. In a uh, in a 49ers defense that definitely needed him, and we could see him just this last week before he went out with the concussion that he made his presence known. So good, uh, good on to Nick Bosa. This is Nick Bosa um, to all the the people out there who watch the uh, the broadcast. This is not Joey. His name is Nick N I C K Nick Bosa. Um, not Joey. Joey's his brother. He plays for the Chargers. And now we move on. Whew. Uh, if you want to know some of where that might be coming from, uh, follow us on Twitter at Brody Talk. You'll be sure to get random hot takes from me during games about people saying people's names wrong. Uh, it's very irritating. Uh, but let's go ahead and move to Assistant Coach of the Year. Uh it's a tough award. Uh, before the season, I went ahead and I was leaning Eric Bieniemy. Maybe I was going a little bit too easy and riding a little bit too much on a Chiefs high of them just being able to run it back year after year after year the last couple of years. But if anything, I can really say that the Chiefs offense 
wasn't where it was at in prior years. They really stumbled out of the gate, and it was a defensive turnaround that really got them where they needed to be. So I'm going to go ahead and give credit to a defense that I feel really stepped up and shown in a way despite some injuries on that side, and that's Todd Bowles, the defensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What can I say? I mean, they've, they've got some studs on that team, but I also know when you lose someone like Levante David for multiple games, like it seemed like I was looking left and right, and every now and then the Bucks would just be missing people on that side of the ball. And I know that the offense pushed through a lot of things. You could argue Byron Leftwich here as well. But for me, I ended up going with Todd Bowles. Uh, before the season, Derek, you had Steve Spagnolo, so we were both going Chiefs. And I think Spags had a great year. Uh, but uh, are you are you sticking with Spags, or are you kind of switching it up as well? Spags had a good half year. He figured it out halfway through the year, and the Chiefs started playing defense again. Um, I thought he was going to get fired um, about seven weeks into the season because the Chiefs just looked beatable and could not stop anybody. Um, so, but I am going to stay with, stick with a defensive-minded coach and a coach that took the. Dallas Cowboys from the 28th de- uh, defense in the league to 33 takeaways, 7th in points, and 19th in yards allowed, um, altogether making them look like a really good uh, team. That, of course, is Dan Quinn, the uh, defensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, he has the, I mean, I, I, I don't think you can, you can, overlook that Micah Parsons coming in as a rookie and doing what he's done. I don't know how much that's Dan's, uh, Dan's grooming or, or, or coaching, or, uh, you know, Hey, come to the league. You're going to do great things. Uh, Diggs, um, who is their feast or famine kind of cornerback where, um, he's going to get you interceptions, but he's going to give up big plays. Um, along with that, this was a, a total turnaround and something that the Cowboys needed. I expected earlier in the season when I saw the the Cowboys, what they were doing on defense uh, to move further in the the playoffs, but that is what it is, and you'll probably understand my opening joke if uh, you did watch that Cowboys game. So mine is, for the coach of the year, is Dan Quinn, who will soon be a head coach, uh, I'm sure, because everyone's talking about that. Uh, It'll be interesting. I know that he's definitely a named out there to be picked up. Uh, let's go ahead and go to the head coach of the year, though. Uh, before the season, I was leaning with the Falcons head coach, Arthur Smith. I think if they would have had Ridley all year, they we might have been able to see more out of them. But uh, what a weird year in Atlanta uh, with them really beating bad teams close and getting blown out by good teams. Um Definitely not someone who I could keep up there. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and switch it to Zach Taylor. I, I really thought that the Bengals might have the worst record in football this year. And I had them clearly in the basement of the AFC North. I was not the only one. Zach Taylor did a great job. The Bengals won the division. They have won a postseason game, which I know that that's not really factored into this at this point. But... What's there not to to like about what's happening in Cincinnati? Uh, I think if they can keep some of this together, they may be a team that runs that division for several years 
with some of the talent that they have in. And I think Taylor is also doing a good job of calling the plays. Uh, Derek, before the season, you were leaning with the Rams and going with Sean McVay. Uh, where are you at now? So I'm going to rename my Coach of the Year award for just one year. And I'm going to call it the Nick Saban Coach of the Year Award. And what I mean by that is Nick Saban's the best college football coach of all time. And he should win the Coach of the Year every single year. He does his job properly. He recruits, he coaches, he brings in the best coaches for his program. He should be the, the he's the best coach because that's what he does. He wins national championships every other year and plays for the national championship basically every year. I'm going to give my Nick Saban Coach of the Year award to Matt LaFleur, the head coach of the Packers. The Packers are going to, are probably going to win a Super Bowl this year. They have the number one uh, number one seed in the NFC in a very tough NFC with the Bucks, with the Rams, with the Cardinals. Cardinals fell off a little bit, but um, with a uh, yes, they they are in, in a weaker division, but they still have the best uh, the best record in the NFC. They won the number one seed like two weeks before the end of the season. That's how good they were. And so Matt LaFleur needs to get a little bit of love that I have the best team, I am the best coach. And so temporarily, uh, Matt LaFleur is going to be my Nick Saban Coach of the Year Award recipient. Let's move on to Defensive Player of the Year, uh, because I know you don't want to say anything about your head coach of your favorite team there, Caleb. That's fair. That's fair. Um, So... Before the year, my defensive player of the year pick was uh, Chase Young. And I'd rather not spend a whole lot of time about that. I mean, he got hurt during the year. He played on the Washington football team, which their defense went from uh, great in 2020 to uh, non-existent in 2021. At least... If, if Dan Quinn turned the Cowboys defense into a good defense... This was like the anti-Dan Quinn, whatever happened in Washington this past offseason. Like, it was it was bad. Um, Chase Young only had one and a half sacks this year. So I'm going to uh, go to the grocery store, fill up my cart, and I need to get as many bags as possible because I am going with T.J. Watt as my defensive player of the year. Uh, he's who I picked last year. He's who I think should win this year. If for no other reason than he did get snubbed last year, and, you know, 22 and a half sacks, 48 tackles, five forced fumbles. He was out a few games, but his impact was well felt. So TJ Watt for me, Derek, before the season, you had some guy named Aaron Donald who had uh, 12 and a half sacks, 38 tackles and four forced fumbles. Are you sticking with Aaron or are you uh, switching it up? Okay, so uh, other people that when I agree with you, I, I have a secondary player that I like to highlight. Um, the only highlight is the one that comes from the the light bulb that is TJ Watt, 60 watt 60 watt bulb. Um, he is the defensive player of the year for many reasons. He got snubbed last year when he should have won. Um, he is the single season record holder for sacks, tied with Michael Strahan, um, and he probably got the Steelers to the playoffs a couple with a couple of great uh, defensive stands on his own. Uh, people are scared of TJ Watt. Um, I 
I don't know what the what Mama Watt uh, put in those those sandwiches or into whatever, but whatever they did um, to have three NFL players uh, in the around that same age, um, she did well. And T.J. Watt deserves the Defensive Player of the Year this year. He can put that on his mantle um, and probably have a uh, a makeshift one from last year that he should have won. I mean, I think they were running out of food in that kitchen. I think that's really what was happening. Uh, Let's go ahead and go to uh, our Offensive Player of the Year. Of course, Offensive Player of the Year, sometimes it goes to a quarterback, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it lines up with MVP, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, Before the season, I said Devontae Adams because I thought he was going to have a great year. He had 123 catches for 1,553 yards, 11 touchdowns. He was named a... Uh, unanimous first team all pro so great year great call by me but i'm not gonna say that i think he wins i'm gonna go ahead and go to the colts running back jonathan taylor 332 carries 1811 yards 18 touchdowns yes the colts missed the playoffs don't blame jonathan taylor for carson wentz's mistakes jonathan taylor had he played his tail off this year Really kind of had that sophomore breakout year. And wow. Uh, If he can keep any kind of pace with this into 22, look out in that AFC South because we're going to have some some people going for the rushing title named Taylor and Henry. So I think it'll be a lot of fun to keep track of. Uh, Derek, before the season, you had uh, a fellow named Aaron Rodgers. are you kind of sticking with Rodgers, or are you uh, switching it up? Yeah, so for me, uh, I think the Aaron Rodgers wins a different award on our list here. And so I'm going to move over to the Triple Crown winner, uh, Cooper Cup. Uh, 145 receptions, 1947 on receiving yards, 16 touchdowns, a do-it-all wide receiver uh, that is always making catches. Um, when uh, when you're getting into the the middle part of the season and people see oh Cooper Cup is a really good receiver and he's going to be the number one receiver for this Matthew Stafford guy and Sean McVay they're going to double team you they're going to find a way to take you out of games and yet Cooper Cup has the most receptions by a wide receiver this year and the most yards and the most touchdowns he is. St- Far and away the best wide receiver uh, that played this year and got really close to that Megatron level of uh, when he did it, he, he, when he had the uh, receiving triple crown. So for me, just as an offensive player, Cooper Cup, um, offensive player of the year. Let's move on to the big boy, the MVP. So before the season, like I said, I was riding a lot of that Chiefs train. I went ahead and put Patrick Mahomes there. He had a good year, but not really a Mahomes-esque type year. Um, All you have to do is look at the touchdown-interception ratio and know that he didn't have the seasons he had been. Only 37 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. Just not quite what they were looking for for, from him out of Kansas City this year, especially with that rough start, uh, you know, 3-4 and partway through the year. Yeah, did he get hot after that? Absolutely, but... Uh, I went ahead and went with uh, the the owner of the Chicago Bears, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he had 
4,115 passing yards, 37 touchdowns, four picks. What's there to say? You know, you get the guy the best record in football this year. They won a lot of tight games. They're able to do so much just because Rodgers is driving that train. And there's no one else that they would want even in that conversation. So I know that things were messy. I know he missed a game because of COVID. But I think that all of that has to be overlooked. And when you think about the fact that he threw two of those interceptions in week one and basically threw two interceptions the rest of the 17-game schedule, that's crazy. So uh, I'm going with Aaron Rodgers. uh, Back-to-back MVPs, in my opinion, for him. Uh, Before the season, you had Josh Allen. Solid year. uh, 4,400 yards, 36 touchdowns, 15 picks. Uh, over 750 rushing yards and another six touchdowns on the ground. Uh, are you are you kind of sticking with Josh? Anything you want to add about Josh, or uh, where do you want to go there? Okay, so Josh Allen deserves a a nod for MVP. Great job, Josh Allen, especially in the playoffs. Done a great job, and and he could take his team um, to a super in, into a Super Bowl run. But for me, as we talked about last uh, last category. Jonathan Taylor is the most valuable player in the league because if you take Jonathan Taylor off of the Colts, they have a top three pick in the the NFL draft. Carson Wentz was not going to win them a whole bunch of games. Uh, Pittman Jr. was not going to win them a bunch of games. Um, So, and the defense this year wasn't winning them a bunch of games. So, when it comes to value to a team, Jonathan Taylor is the most valuable player on a team this year because 332 carries, 1811 yards, 18 touchdowns. That's my MVP. I mean, it's tough to argue. I mean, we're, we're basically talking about the difference between, you know, Ferraris and Lamborghinis. Like, I mean, I, when you're talking about the best of the best, it's like, oh, you had Jonathan Taylor and I had Cooper Cup. Oh, oh darn. I can't imagine why both of these athletes are so dang good. No, they're fantastic. So uh, I hope you've enjoyed listening to us go on and on about the end of season NFL awards and kind of where we landed and from where we came from, because I'll fully admit that we are all willing to change. When we see the facts in front of us, we kind of have to face them and come to the truth. Uh, did you have someone that you thought maybe you would have different? Let us know on Twitter, at Brody Talk. Tell us where we're wrong. Tell us where we're right. We'd love to hear from you there. Also, go ahead and uh, jump on Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, uh, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'd love it if you gave us a five-star review. Uh We think that we produce five-star content, and we always want to make sure that we are checking those boxes, giving you what you want each and every episode. So let us know. That's the best way for us to get feedback. And that's really it. I know we got our divisional round previews coming later this week. It's going to be a lot of fun. So on behalf of Derek, my name is Caleb Walgren. We are signing out. Later, y'all. Bye, guys.